0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.
1: All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you're here. We're starting this new series, God Box, which is really a church-wide challenge. We're praying all four campuses together over the next 30 days really for a fresh, uh, God's fresh touch in our lives for all sorts of requests and prayers. And um, we believe, you know, if you're new to Liquid Church, we believe a praying church is a powerful church. Amen? Here's the deal. Um, based on all of the prayers that you poured out last, uh, last Sunday, we were a little bit overwhelmed. It was incredible just to look at all the different request that people were close to their heart and we've been praying for you actually today and you're going to have a chance at the end of today's service for other believers to stand along with you and and ask our Heavenly Father for God's really moving His blessing in your life. Some of these prayers, I'll just be honest, man, you touched my heart. It took a while for us to read through these. Um, But just a few samplings here. Dear God, my last paycheck is gone. Please help me to make the payment on my kids' home and help me find supporting work. A lot of um, prayers about unemployment or job situations. Please, God, remove all the fear and anxiety from my life. A lot of people struggling internally, anxiety, depression. Um, Please, God, would you guide us with this pregnancy? We feel unprepared. That's normal, all right? That's going to last about 20 years, okay? That's like a... (laughs) Uh, Lord, I'm waiting for residency interview offers. So someone's becoming a doctor or a nurse. Give me the words to say during the interviews. I need to understand your plan for the next five years, don't we all, as I complete my training. Um, I lo- this, is a, this is a powerful prayer. God, would you give me a fresh heart to forgive and trust my partner again? Please heal our relationship Move the mountain that's in our way. At the center of the Lord's prayer, would you forgive me my sins as as we forgive others? So prayers of confession, of forgiveness. Soften my husband's heart that he would desire to know you and come to church. Thousands of prayers. Incredible. And every person in this room this morning, right now, you have an issue probably in your life that seems like it's huge. It's beyond your control. It may be a molehill. It may be a mountain. I don't know. But maybe it won't move. It may be a financial need, maybe it's a, a difficult situation in your marriage or family life or your work situation or a, a health issue, a disability, a character flaw, a lot of um, things about you know, different habits we have or addictions people looking to break. Where do you need God's power most in your life right now? Our theme verse for this series comes from Ephesians 6, and I want to read this together and uh, the red part in a big, uh, loud voice. Ready? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with... ready. All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's what we're doing. For the next 30 days, we're kind of cranking up the spiritual temperature and flooding heaven with all sorts of prayers and requests, praying for all the Lord's people. And the challenge is really simple. Basically, it's this. Would you write one to two prayers a day on a post-it note, no longer than a post-it note, date it, and then put it in your God box? We gave out these boxes last week. Some of you have already decorated them and put them up on Instagram and whatever. But keep that prayer box um somewhere you can see it by your bed or on your desk at work or your locker at school wherever and date that prayer Put it in your inside of your box and then when god answers date that as well It's kind of a way of saying hey, here's how god is moving in my life This is what he's currently doing and here's the cool thing We're only a week into this and we're already starting to see some incredible answers to prayers Listen to this uh, because on, on wednesday, I got an email from a single mom in our congregation. She's actually moving out of state this fall with her son. We're sad that she's moving, but it's exciting for her. But her big mountain was selling her house. Okay, you get that. So last Sunday, we started this God boxing, And on Wednesday, I received this email with the subject line, I just experienced a miracle this week. Listen to this. Hi, Pastor Tim. God has been so good and gracious to me. I sold my house in two days, $12,000 above asking price. The new owners are letting my son and I stay here until we're ready to move at no charge after closing. That's a miracle, okay? Especially in New Jersey, right? She said, what a huge blessing. My son is praying now to make good Christian friends in our new home. I can't tell you how much we're enjoying our God box. Next prayer is finding the right home. No doubt God will come through. And do you see what's happening there? See, When you see God answering prayers, it increases your faith. It enlarges your faith. If you've ever been like, I don't know, my faith isn't strong enough. As you pray and see God's movement, you will actually expand your capacity to see God's power in your life. So I love that picture, though. A mother and her son praying together, saying to our Heavenly Father, God, would you provide and really pressing in to seek his provision. And, and that's going to happen. Just I want you to think about this. In your life, in the next 30 days, you're, you're, it may change your family. It may change your work, decisions that you make about school. And if you're not on board, it's not too late. In fact... I realize there's some of you here this morning, you didn't get a box last week. Would you raise your hand right now? All our campuses, our ushers are coming forward. If you need a box, um, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one right now. You can just jump on board this morning, pass it along. I know some people were like, oh, I wanted one for my you know, spouse. Liquid Kids is giving these out to our, our kids today as well. So know that your kids are going to be getting these. We're doing it together as a family. Um, many of our life groups are actually pressing in, doing the prayer box together. So, no, you're joining other brothers and sisters in something big. Second thing I'll invite you to do is take out your cell phone, if you haven't already done this, and text the word prayer to this number. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to text you a daily prayer prompt to remind you to pray during this week. We just started this last Sunday. Did you enjoy it this week? Kind of fun. I uh, send out little verses. I'm not going to spam you. Little prompts, reminders, a nudge during the day um, if you just text the word prayer to that number. Now, to clarify, this is not my personal cell phone number. I'll just be honest about that. Um, And I'm not asking you to text me personally all your prayer requests, okay? It's like I'm trying to dial back from the phone. But uh, we are going to text you. And the other thing is, know our campus teams. We're praying for you, and you're going to see some cool stuff, actually, even this morning. I'm praying for God's Spirit is going to touch you today. What I want to look at this morning is Luke chapter 18. So would you take out your Bible and turn there? Luke 18 I want to see what Jesus taught about persistence in prayer. Um, last week, we learned that prayer is a pipeline to God's power. But this week, we're going to see that the key to answer prayer, it's not just God's power, but our persistence. That's the second part of it. Are you a persistent person? That word persistence is kind of funny because when you look at the word persistence, you'll see the word, thrown up on the screen, the word pest in there. It's where we get the word pest. Do you know a persistent person? Point to them right now. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I think this is how sometimes people feel when they pray. Like we're pestering God, and when we present some of these petty requests to him, maybe he's too busy running the universe. Maybe he's too, you know, we just wear him out with our constant prayers. You ever feel that way? Sometimes when I pray something and it's like the same thing over and over, I feel like God must get sick of me. We come to him with a stubborn situation in our lives, And the thing is, the tragedy is, when we don't see him instantly moving, a lot of times we say, well, I guess he's not willing. Or maybe he's just ignoring my prayers. Maybe he's just tired of me pestering him with life's petty problems. You know what? Jesus addressed that very issue with his disciples here in Luke chapter 18. So let's read this story together. Luke 18, we'll start at verse 1. It says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a short story to show them that they should, read this together, they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. He must be from New Jersey, right? And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Well, for some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, you know what? Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find what? Will he find faith on the earth. And this is really a fascinating story here because it teaches us something about our heavenly father, about God's character and his disposition towards you. See, God is not put off when his children pester him. In fact, it's just the opposite. He is moved by our persistence. This is called the parable of the persistent widow, and we learned this last series. Widows and orphans really were among the most vulnerable of God's people. In Jesus' day, a widow typically had no education, no job, no money, no property, no status, no power. So her survival was pretty much linked to whether she had a son or a, a brother-in-law or a father who agreed to care for her. And if someone didn't care for her, she would become a beggar, the first century equivalent of a homeless person, okay? Okay? So that's why all throughout the Bible, you're going to see scripture says that God's heart is especially sensitive to the needs and cries of widows and orphans, people who lack a biological family to care for them. So she's powerless and penniless, which is why she goes to the local judge with this simple request. She says, hey, would you grant me justice against my adversary? There was some sort of conflict in her life. And she was saying, would you give me care and protection because I don't have any power. We don't know if this widow was harassed or if she was cheated Widows were typically easy marks for swindlers, but she had a need. She had some sort of conflict in her life, and she says, hey, would you give me justice? Would you care for me? And there was just one problem. It says the judge didn't fear God or cared what people thought. He was a curmudgeon, all right? He was, he was think about the judges of our day. Maybe you've been to traffic court. You're like, I've met this guy. Uh, you know, he didn't have any respect for God's word, for divine justice. Maybe he was in the judges' union. Maybe he was overworked. Maybe he had a heavy caseload. We don't know. But he just would decide whimsically whatever suited his fancy. He didn't give any consideration to God or to people, even a poor widow who begs him for protection. It says for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, you know what? Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this lady keeps bothering me, I'll see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's how you know it's New Jersey. Like, and I'm going to be walking to the parking lot, and she's all over me. And it's funny because basically this woman keeps badgering him. Right? She's like, you know what? I'm going to knock on this judge's door. Hey, can you help me? Closes the door. Hey, knocking on your window. Can you help me? Going out the parking lot. Hey, can you help me, sir? Rolling up the window. No, I'm not going away. Just keep. She basically just keeps coming after him. She says, "I'm going to stay in his face until he gives in." I love this uh, this, this translation from the New Living Translation. It says. The judge said to himself, this woman's driving me crazy. (laughs) I'm going to see she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And some of you husbands are like, wait a minute, that woman isn't a widow. That's my wife. This is my, this is not, I know this. I had a situation like this at home with my wife, Colleen. A few months ago, that shower head in our bathroom, you know, keeps dripping. And you don't think much of it during the day, but at night it's like drip, drip, drip. She says, Honey, can you fix that? You know, I'm like, Oh, yeah, okay. Drip, drip, drip. And it goes on my honey-do list, of course. And I don't really get to it, you know, that weekend. And then the weekend goes by and she's like, Hey, you know about that drip? Can you do that maybe tonight? Yeah, I'd do it tonight. Didn't do it. Uh, tomorrow, drip, drip. No, 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 I didn't do a drip. And uh, of course, no one likes being nagged. And so I woke up one morning, I get a little post-it note and it just has one word on it: drip. You know, it's sitting in the, in, in the mirror there. And I'm like, Oh, uh, now, nobody likes being nagged, so then, of course, I get all passive-aggressive, like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm not really going to do it. Very Christ-like, I know, I know. But, uh, you know, we, and it was funny, because the weekend arrives, and so we're going out for dinner on a Friday night, and I text her, and I say, hey, are you ready for our big date tonight? And I get a text back, two words, drip drop, and I'm like, you know, I, you know, all right, you know, and so it's funny, because the constant drip of her requests became even kind of more unbearable than the dripping of the faucet, and so... You know, she, you've know, you had that, right? When a spouse or someone in your family, they leak more than the shower head. So I suck it up. I go to Ace and replace the stupid thing. It took about 10 minutes. But the point is, is that we all know what it's like to be kind of worn down with a constant petition. And that's what happens with this widow in Luke 18. She just pesters the stingy judge. And even though he wasn't originally willing, her constant badgering kind of bent his will. And this is a repeated theme of Jesus in prayer. In fact, if you put your finger in Luke 18 and flip to Luke 11, Jesus tells a similar story about a guy who tried to borrow bread from his neighbor. He goes home late at night and he does knock on the door and he says, hey, what do you want? Can I borrow some bread? He's like, dude, it's like 12 o'clock. He slams the door. Knock, knock, knock. No, I need bread. I have someone visiting me. Knock, knock, knock. Get away. You know, my kids are in bed. You're going to wake them up. Knock, 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 knock. He's like, oh, just take the friggin' bread. That's in my translation. That's not that that one. And And Jesus makes this point about persistent prayer. He says, watch this, I'm gonna say this to you, ready? Ask and it will be what? Given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock, A-S-K, that's Jesus's teaching. He gives us this little acronym for prayer. He's like ask, make the request. seek, really press in and just keep knocking, eventually the door will open. And that's encouraging to us, but it's also confusing. Can we just acknowledge this? Because we hear these stories and we assume, okay, I get it. So I'm the guy knocking on the door. We're the gal pestering the judge. And because these are, these are stories about prayer and prayers, where we're trying to get something from God. But the problem with this is that most Christians misinterpret these stories. You're probably doing that right now because you're like, okay, again, I'm the widow and that makes God who? The judge. In other words, God is the tight-fisted, ill-tempered tyrant. He's got a universe to run. He's really not interested. He doesn't really care too much about your life. Is that who God is? See, we think these are, we we hear parable. We think, well, someone stands for one person. We stand for the other. That's an allegory. A parable is trying to get you to think in a new way. It's giving you a contrast. And what Jesus is saying is he's like, I want you to think about what you know on earth. Think about people who you pester. Think about your earthly father. And I am going to give you a contrast. After he says, ask, seek, knock, here's what Jesus says. Which of you, what's the word? Fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, you earthly fathers, though you're evil, you're tainted by sin, you know how to give good gifts to your children, let's read this together. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In other words, Jesus is like God is not a tight-fisted judge. He is first and foremost your open-handed, generous father who loves. I mean loves to give good gifts to his children. Let me ask you this question this morning. When I when you pray, do you view God more as a tight-fisted judge or an open-handed father? Because the word that Jesus uses here for father in Aramaic is Abba. It means Papa. In our language, it would be translated as Daddy. And you all know Daddy is a very childlike. It is a very tender term that a child just says, Daddy, Abba. It's one of the first things that a child says, Abba, Dada, right? And you know what? When Jesus said these words, his audience would have been scandalized by this. They're like, wait a minute. You're saying our Father who is in heaven, our Daddy? Who's in heaven? No way! To the Jews in the first century, that was scandalous. It was unprecedented because they had such respect and reverence, even fear of God, that they wouldn't even write out his name. You still see that today. Orthodox Jewish people will spell God G slash D because they omit the middle letter, be out of fear, out of reverence. They don't want to become too casual or familiar with the Lord God Almighty. But then here comes Jesus in the New Testament he's saying, okay, all my fathers, teach us to pray, Lord. Here's how you're going to pray. My daddy, hey, Dad, who's in heaven? My Abba. L- let me ask you this. As you pray and you envision God listening to you, what does he look like? What, what, is, what expression is on his face? Are you praying to an unjust judge who's tight-fisted or a loving Daddy. <laughs> I want to show you a picture, um, one of my favorite pictures uh, of, of my, I call this my Abba picture. This is my daughter, Chase, on my shoulders. We're at a wedding reception. She was a flower girl. I'm her daddy. You can see the squeals and the, uh, the joy in her face just as I delighted in her. I still do. She's an incredible. It's so close. Guys, that's how God feels about you. You're like, I, I don't believe. Your Abba loves to hear his daughter's voice. And you pray. He says, this is my beloved son, and I care deeply about your needs. I delight over you. I rejoice over you with singing. I want you to think about that. See, because of your faith in Christ, the Bible says, yeah, God is our judge, but your debt has been paid. In other words, you have been justified in Jesus Christ, and now you are adopted into the family of God. You're no longer a widow. You're no longer an orphan without a family. Your Abba, your daddy is the creator and Lord God Almighty of the universe. And as his child, you have all the rights and privileges of heaven. You are free to enter his presence in his throne room at any time and just enjoy his love and his presence and his power in your life. I saw a fun picture recently. If you're listening on radio or podcast, this is a picture taken in the Oval Office. And it's President Obama. He's sitting behind his desk. He's president of our country. Put the politics aside, whether you agree with his policies or not. He is the leader of the free world, the most powerful man by virtue of his office. But if you look behind his couch, you'll see his eight-year-old daughter, Sasha, right? She's sneaking up on daddy. She's going to kind of attack him. It's a fun picture. Because whatever your opinion of, you know, the president's a politician. That's not the point. Most people agree he is a devoted father. And Obama has an open-door policy with his daughters, His staff understand. Sasha Malia can come into the Oval Office at any time they want. Even if he's meeting with another world leader about global issues like nuclear arms or chemical weapons, it doesn't matter. The kids come first. Everybody else has to wait. They have to address him as Mr. President, as Commander-in-Chief, as sir. But his daughters just call him what? Daddy. Hey, Daddy! They run in after school. Guys, that is an imperfect reflection of the privilege that you and I have in prayer. As an adopted child of the Lord of the universe, you have access, you have access to the full rights and privileges to enter his presence and take hold of his love and his strength. And when you come to your Abba with your requests on your heart, he is not bothered by your requests. Rather, he's moved by them. Those of you who are daddies, you you intuitively know this. I remember when my son Dell was two years old. Uh, he personified the word persistence. When he would get his mind on something, he was like a pit bull. He wouldn't let it go. And uh, one Saturday, we went to the mall, and I was in the holy of holies. That is the Apple Store, and so I'm in there playing on gadgets. But Colleen is in Pottery Barn Kids, you know, looking at stuff, whatever. And she comes running out of Pottery Barn Kids and goes, Tim, Tim, come quick, please help, and everything. I said, you know, what happened? Did you lose Del? What, you know, what happened? She's like, I wish. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But she points, and there's my son. He's two years old. He's climbed up those double-decker bunk beds, Yeah. And he's, he's holding on the beds with one arm, and the other, he's leaning over like this, and he's got his chubby little fist clenched around a mobile, a mobile of planets, like the solar system. He has his fingers clenched around Venus, and he's holding it because he loved anything that was a round object, you know, books, uh, balls, you know, rocks, he'll just chuck them, Okay. And he sees this mobile of the planets. He's like, planets! And he grabs on one. And he won't let go. So I go up in the bunk bed. I said, you know, let go. So he goes, planets, planets, planets. And I peel his his fingers off this thing. And now he starts screaming. He just starts going, planets! You know? And uh, honestly, I I was like, son, you can look. No touch and everything. So we leave the store. Well, we were asked to leave the store. And the trip's kind of ruined because Dell's inconsolable. We're now walking down the mall. just like, planets! And he's getting all boneless, you know, and rubbery. So we go to Johnny Rockets for dinner, because we're like, maybe it'll distraction, you know, distract him. And your parents, you know this, right? And so the waitress comes up. She says to my daughter, Chase, she's like, what would you like, sweetheart? And she's like, I'll have a cheeseburger. And leans into my son. He goes, what would you like, little man? And he just goes, planets, you know? <laughs> you know when a kid fixates on something? So, so we take him home. And we're like, all right, he'll forget about it by the morning. Not so much. Next morning, Colleen goes and gets him out of the crib. She's like, you know, good morning, gal. And he's like, planets? He just, he, for the rest of the week, over and over, planets, 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 planets. For, we were watching a Yankees game, and, the, and, you know, the logo comes by. It's a little baseball. And he's like, uh. I was like, you like baseball? So he just goes, planets? Planets? He just kept the whole thing. And so we, you know, he truly became, talk about persistence. He was a pest. So we go to the library, check out a book on planets, the solar system. We start flipping through. He's like, planets? we are like, yeah, Venus, you know, Mars, Uranus. <laughs> Ten years, you're going to have a lot of fun with that, you know. But it, but, with <laughs> fueled his fixation even further, morning, noon, and night. And we're like, either this kid is going to be a rocket scientist or rain man. You know, it was just like, and so about a couple months later, we have to go to the mall and Carl's like, hey, why don't you take Dell with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's like, whoa, no, 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 you know, you know what? But then, you know, we thought about it. I was like, you know what? This kid hasn't given up. It's been like 60 days, planets, planets, planets. And so I said, you know what? Today is the day. Today is the day, my son. I have heard your cries, and I don't want to hear them anymore. You know. And I took my son, and we walked straight into Pottery Barn Kids, and I said, "We will take the mobile off." And he's like, Platas! You're like, "I remember this kid." And I get, you know, we get in the mobile, and we walked out there, you know, in that shopping Well It was actually a great day as a father and son. Now, here's the deal. I tell you that because it's a silly story, but you know what? I'm not a perfect daddy by any stretch but I love my kids with 110% of my heart. My, my love for them is strong. It is fierce. I would die for them. That's what God did for you. And in four weeks, my love for my son didn't increase or, or change, but what moved me to action? My son's what? His persistence. He had a deep desire. He had a, ver- a passion. And I was in a position to do something about it. And parents, you know this. Every once in a while, your son or daughter just keeps bugging and bugging and bugging. And you know what you end up thinking? You end up thinking, you know what? They're not going to let this go. And if it's a reasonable request, okay? You know, the planet's 40 bucks, whatever. If it's a reasonable request and it isn't harmful to them or others, I'll do it. And Jesus said, Which of you earthly fathers, if your son asks for a fish, gives him a snake instead? In other words, something poisonous for him. If he asks for an egg, something nourishing will give him a a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, all you earthly daddies were tainted by sin, were incomplete, we don't get it right, but you even intuitively know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is perfect, give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I am a flawed, earthly Abba, (laughs) but it took two weeks for for, for a two-year-old, you know, four weeks really, uh, for him to move me at a point where I would consider even giving in and, 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 and honestly with his persistence. And you know what? I did it out of affection, not annoyance. You see, I actually felt a degree of pleasure walking out of Pottery or whatever it was, Liquid, wherever that, whatever that store, Pottery Barn Kids, with his planets under his arm. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, if your imperfect, earthly dad intuitively tries to bless his kids, how much more so your heavenly father who created the planets? delights in answering your prayers. So I tell you, he says, ask, I want you to seek. I want you to knock. I want you to be persistent. Notice Jesus increases the intensity. He says, ask is like a simple request. Hey, dad, uh, daddy, I need this. Seek is stronger. I'm actually leaning in dad. I want to lay hold of what you have for me. Knock is the most intense. Not going away, daddy. Not going away. Planets. You know, that's knock. is just, he's like, keep knocking. Don't give up because your heavenly father, your Abba, is not bothered by your persistence. It's just the opposite. He's moved. He's moved because you're his daughter, because you're his treasured son. He delights. He sings over you. And folks, this is Jesus' teaching about prayer. He's like, I want you to be bold. I want you to be persistent. And for the next 30 days, I don't want you to give up. He's basically saying, I want you to be a prayer pest, (laughs) okay? Okay. He, it's a challenge to us because he's saying, hey, I know this is close to your heart, but how bad do you want this? Are you willing to actually up your intensity this week and your prayers to your heavenly Father? Not because he's waiting for you to hit some magic number of asks. Like, well, if she asks 17 times, then I'll do it. You know, It's more like Jesus saying, why do you give up so easily? <laughs> what, what, why, do you, why don't you ask more? If you really believe the Father's heart, it was his, his, kindness, goodness. That's God's disposition to you by default is to bless you, it is grace, it is kindness, it is love. That's one of the things I use to gauge the sincerity of my kids. Whenever they let something go, I know it's not close to their heart, but when they lock on like a pit bull, I'm like, okay, they are serious, and my Abba's heart is moved by their passion. And guys, this is the secret to prayer. This is it. It's very simple. If you truly viewed that God was your heavenly Abba, your daddy, who delighted in you, who longed to hear your voice, who wanted to answer you, you would find it so easy to pray. You would just be drawn to him than if you view him as a judge. And the reason I ask, do you view God more as a judge or a father is because our generation, I believe, has a major wound when it comes to fathers. Many of my friends grew up with dads who were distant or detached, maybe more focused on their work. Even if they were physically present in the house, they were emotionally MIA. Some of you know this firsthand too busy with their career work to actually take an interest in you as the son or daughter and actually bless you and for you to, to feel that blessing and that assurance. And I'll just be honest, those of you who are fathers say, can we just take a time out? If you're a daddy, you're like me, you're a father, you've got kids, all that kind of, just sobering moment, guys, right now, your job basically for the next 20 years is you are a surrogate for how your child will view his heavenly father. If that doesn't cause you to pray, get down on your knees, nothing will. You will be the first view through which they view their heavenly father. And and, and that's the reason so many of my friends struggle with prayer. Because they've experienced some of the imperfection and sin of their earthly father. And now they see God as a judge who is harsh, who is hard-hearted, who is uncaring. And when we talk about God's love, they they know it here, but they can't feel that compassion and that tenderness here. I remember after one service speaking with a woman, she came up, she said, Tim, I wish I could believe that God is, is the way you describe and the way the Bible talks about him. But you know what? I was verbally abused by my dad. I have, the only memories I have of him are, are yelling, being abusive to me, He assaulted my mom. Then he abandoned our whole family. So yeah, I have some difficulty. Relating to God as my father, my Abba, I'm actually pretty angry with him. Can you, can you blame her for that? I mean, that, that's a very natural thing. This is a major spiritual obstacle for our generation because right now today, there are 29 million children in America growing up without a father in their home. That's 40% of all children under 18 growing up without their dads, okay? In fact, can we, just, we just make this super live right now. Right now in this room, all our campuses, I know there, there are people today and you're growing up without a father and it's so close to the heart. And it's a deep wound because you feel that distance and you feel alone like I'm a, it's a widow. I got nobody. I got to fend for myself. It's an orphan spirit. You feel that rejection and that a, a absence of the fatherly blessing and affirmation that I love you. i do anything for you. Just say it. I've given my son for you. And it makes prayer very difficult. And I just want to be honest with you. Boy, this morning, this is a moment for you. I've been praying all week for you. It's God draw in my heart today. We just want to bless you this morning. We're going to pray for you. At the end of this service, we're going to pray a father's blessing over you, that there would be healing inside your heart, and you would just feel Abba's, Abba's pleasure and his delight in you. This is, guys, why you must have a spirit of adoption in your prayers. That's what the Bible calls it. The Bible uses adoption or sonship to illustrate our relationship with our, with our Abba. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the what? Say it together. Children of God. The Spirit you received from Jesus. Look at this. It doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear, with shame and condemnation and rejection. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your what? Say it. Adoption to sonship or daughtership. In Roman culture, when a child was adopted... He or she lost all their legal rights of their past family and gained all the legal privileges of their new one. They became an heir to the father's estate. That is what has happened to you if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and your Savior. God is a judge, yes, but on the cross, the demands of his justice were met in Jesus Christ. God is here, you're here, and Jesus said, I'm going to stand between you and I'm going to reconcile you. So you come into the, the kingdom of the father, and you are now his son. You are his daughter. You are a brother or sister of Christ. And now you, don't, you aren't just justified in God's eyes. You are what? Adopted. You're, amen? You're adopted in his family. There is nothing you have to do to prove or earn or measure up. He loves you right now as much as an infinite Abba is capable of. And that is to say a perfect God. There is more to your salvation than justification. There's adoption. There is this internal knowing that you are the Father's beloved child. You're loved. Alan's my son. Pam's my daughter. You are a child of the Most High God. And Paul says, by him, we cry. Throw this verse up. Let's just say the words together. And by him, we cry Abba, Daddy, Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. We're co heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Amen. The spirit of adoption is what empowers your prayers, it is this confidence, knowing that you are loved. You are chosen. You have been created by God. You are blessed by God. You are a brother, a sister to Christ, an heir to the throne of heaven. And in a lot of ways, adoption is even greater than biological birth. I want you to think about natural birth. Those of you who have given birth, or how many of you have a mom? Okay? Yeah, a few. Your mom didn't choose you, okay? My parents didn't choose me, they didn't have a choice. They're like, you get Tim. You get what you get, you don't get upset, right? That's natural birth. But in adoption, you know what God says? God says, I choose that one. I choose you, Chris. I choose you, Kelly. I choose that one for my daughter. That's how God shows you. And he adopted you into a spiritual family through Jesus Christ. One of the prayers here that really touched my heart as a couple said, we have been praying to adopt <laughs> because we've struggled to conceive. We want to have a son or a daughter to share our love with but we can't conceive biologically. And so right now we're praying for God's wisdom. Would you open doors of adoption for us? And and, and that's a tender prayer. And I want to tell you a story about the power of persistent prayer as it relates to this idea of adoption. Some of you have met Jason Yost and his wife, Shelly. They just moved here from Washington, D.C. That's their daughter, Justice. Jason is our new worship pastor here at Liquid. But you may not know is that they have had a persistent prayer for years, okay? And only recently... Did God answer it in a pretty dramatic way? This is what they have learned about the power of persistence, especially as it relates to the father heart of God for adoption.
2: My name is Jason. This is my beautiful wife, Shelly, and our gorgeous daughter, Justice. Justice. So when we decided it was time for us to start a family, we found out that it was actually difficult uh, to conceive for us.
0: And for me, as a woman, you know, having a baby, I felt like was my job. Like, that's what I'm here for, right? I'm, I'm here for lots of things, and I have a, had a career and a wonderful husband, but it was so frustrating to know that uh, this thing that you desired so much was just not happening.
2: There was a tension that we were facing at that time because we actually own and operate a nonprofit that helps families and individuals have an orphan care plan with adoption and mentoring and foster care and so here we're spending ourselves uh, outside you know of our of our normal lives, uh, working to help start families and to help create families uh, all over the world, internationally and domestically. And yet that wasn't happening in our life. And so it wasn't always, uh, it wasn't always pretty between us and God, although we went, you know, we went down in the trenches and just prayed and we just got honest with him through the process.
0: I can't count the number of prayers that I prayed um, to conceive a child, to have a child.
2: There are things in this life that we're not promised, but it's a pattern uh, of this world that we just assume is rightfully ours. There's a huge difference between asking God to follow us and to bless us for what we want, Mm -hmm. than asking God to help us to follow Him.
0: We got a phone call that a birth mom had selected us to be the parents for the child that she had not yet given birth to and we were so excited. We actually got to go down and meet the birth mom. We got to talk with her, and um, she got to share with us um, some sonogram pictures. It was very surreal. And we just thought, all this waiting, all this praying, like God has answered our prayer. And so a couple weeks later, we got a phone call that she was in labor and that she had given birth. This little girl, her name, her name's Mariah. So we packed up that little girl in our car seat and we took her home from the hospital. That next morning, probably about nine, ten 10 o'clock, uh, we got a call from the social worker um, that mom had actually decided that she wanted to parent. We knew that that was her right and we, we loved Mariah and we loved her mom to know that That was a great decision that she wanted to make to parent her child. For the next three hours, we prayed over her. And I know that those prayers, even though we may never know that they get answered, are being prayed for her and prayed for her by name.
2: So last April, we got this email from our agency and it said, let us know if you guys would like to be considered. Uh, for for this beautiful baby girl.
0: We uh, went to pick her up. She was six weeks old, but still was only seven-something pounds, was still itty-bitty. We had chosen the name Justice actually on the way home. Her middle name is Faye, which is my middle name, and my mom's and my grandma's. And so her name means righteous faith. And I feel like it's so appropriate to her and so appropriate to the story of just the persistence um, to prayer. Um, to bring her into our life
2: we've learned through this that God he isn't unjust even though the timing isn't our timing we've learned so much his timing is perfect because there's still a story to be written right you know we still have not had a, a, a bio child yet and we still you know believe one day we can if God if God wants to see that happen but we're con- are we gonna stop praying about it no way you know, we're still going to be persistent in prayer. God has given us many blessings, and, uh, and we love that. And we're so thankful to be a part of what he's doing. And we're just learning to be persistent. We're learning to be honest and just to, to never, never let go and to never give up.
1: thank Jason and Shelley for sharing their story with us. Thank you, guys. That's incredible. When I look at that story, I, three years ago, Jason and Shelley had a prayer. They wanted to start a family, but they couldn't. And instead of getting angry at God or questioning his motives or his timing and seeing him as somebody's holding back, they just prayed. They leaned in. And they were persistent before Abba. They, they pleaded for justice. And makes me think of Luke 18. And won't God not Bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? No. I tell you, he will see that they get justice in what? And quickly. Three years is a long time, but not in God's calendar. (laughs) They receive justice literally. (laughs) Not from a stingy judge, but a loving Abba. Adoption is a living illustration of the gospel. A child with needs that can't be met by their biological family is chosen. I choose that one. I choose you. I want you to be my daughter, my son, and then receive the full privileges and pleasure of a loving father in his family. Justice is God's perfect gift, and so are you today. You have been created by God. Your parents may not have planned you. God did. You've been chosen by God, adopted into his family, and listen to me. Abba loves you. And that's why Jesus is saying, I want you to press in like I did. I want you to press into your Abba, pour your heart out to him, never give up. And so this morning, right now, I don't know what you're struggling with. Maybe it's infertility, a difficult relationship or work situation. Maybe you need a new job. But this is like the entry point of prayer. We set our requests before God with fresh passion. But you know what? God may change things in your heart through this. A year from now, you may look back at this moment, you say, man, that's a moment when I stood with my brothers and sisters and approached God as my Abba, asking, seeking, knocking, pressing in. And this morning, we want to do that with you. We have prayer teams. I'm going to invite them forward. At all of our campuses, we have prayer teams this morning who want to stand up here at the altar and pray with you and for you this morning. They have already met at your campus this morning, prayed for these requests, and they just want to stand with you and say, as your brother or sister in Christ, we want to pray for the Father's blessing on you. So in just a minute, after I pray, if you would like to be prayed for, would you come forward to the stage? And your campus pastor and our team will pray on and for you. And I also want to just encourage those of you who maybe this morning, you've never really personally experienced that spirit of adoption that we've talked about. I, I know that. I know that there are people here, you, you know it in your head that the... God loves me, but you don't know it here. Something's blocking it. I want to invite you forward, too. We're going to pray a Father's blessing over you. Maybe your earthly dad tainted your perspective of God as your heavenly Abba. You can't imagine God delighting in you. You know, there's distance, or there's shame, or you feel condemnation. And God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear or condemnation, but of faith and a sound mind, and I want to bless you. So you come up, and we're going to bless that God is going to do something in your heart this morning. It's going to break it by the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to pray right now. Would you join me? All our heads are bowed. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, Abba Father, we pray for a spirit, a sweet spirit of adoption in this place. We are coming forward as your children with our hands open, and we are asking, we are seeking, we are knocking, not just for our material needs, Father, but for the Holy Spirit who you long to give us. And so right, Father, Father, right now, I just align the cry of this church with your will that you would give us more of your Holy Spirit, that you would do deep healing work inside of people who come up here to be prayed for right now. We believe wherever two or three are gathered, you're here. You're with us. Jesus, you're alive. You rose from the grave so that we might experience you right now. And I ask for an outpouring of your power through this prayer team, God. We have no special powers, but we've emptied ourselves out now that others may feel the Holy Spirit. And I pray for that. We receive it. We receive all things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone said together, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com